Welcome to Know What I Mean. My name is Oscar. My name is George. And this week we we had a quote that was proved a little bit of a challenge, actually. Mm. Um, I think part of the the nature of it, there being two separate questions, meant that we were, you know, it was a, a, a bit harder at some points for us to find a flow between it. But through examining both of these, I've I found it really valuable. We talked about accepting yourself and understanding yourself and yeah i think it's i think it's a there's some some really good stuff in this one yeah i i I thought it was a really nice opportunity actually to just reflect on our nature and qualities uh and kind of Mm. bringing in some stories into that as well i i did it did feel like a very reflective episode and one that kind of points the light inwards yeah so really hope you enjoy the episode let's get into it the quote for this week is what if the question is not why am i so infrequently the person i really want to be but why do i so infrequently want to be the person i really am and this is by araya mountain dreamer well first of all a little translation to what i see this quote as it's basically talking about going from a place of never being enough. Like I, I'm never enough. I'm never the person I want to be going from mm-hmm. that place to a place of self-acceptance and even like actually appreciating your qualities and what makes you unique, actually mm-hmm. moving towards that and really understanding that. Yeah. And I think what, what interests me about this is where it's really actually about the balance between these two things. So there's obviously something within us, which is like feeling insecure about never being enough, but, but also there's, there's a healthy attitude in there of wanting to try on different outfits and different styles and ways of being. So not settling for what's in your comfort zone and what comes completely naturally. And then on the other side, why am I so infrequently the person I really am. So on this side of things, I think it's, it's, it's about self-knowledge and self-understanding and really investigating who am I really and what are those qualities that I have that can be appreciated and even strengthened in my hmm. life. And it's something about finding the balance of, of that uh, striving and acceptance and, and knowing when it's important to accept where you are and who you are and knowing when it's important to actually push, push yourself outside of what you're comfortable Mm, with and mm. what you know. Yeah. So I guess we can just start, we can start there. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that'd be interesting is like, what is, I mean, it's a very loaded question, (laughs) but why are you not the person you really want to be? I'm not, the person I really want to be, or I'm not fulfilling my potential mm-hmm. because of limiting beliefs of what's possible. And also just a general sense of fear. I think in my experience, what has held me back from really flourishing is, mm-hmm. is just is contracting and not wanting to step outside my comfort zone. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I talk about that 
as in if it's kind of personal to me like that's mm. that's a unique problem but it's obviously not at all the thing that i really think of with this with this quote is well actually no i won't say that why are you <laughs> why are you so infrequently the person you want to be <laughs> it does yeah it's like as i as i started saying it i was like jesus this sounds so harsh <laughs> to say to someone i had a good think about this and the the answer that came to me was because i can't be perfect okay so is that is that a perfectionism well i think there's in this in this quote there's there's two things really that are interacting there's the concept of who you are now who you know who you think you are and the mm. concept of who you want to be the thing that I want to be obviously is to just always do the right thing, to always make the right decision, to always be the right amount of everything, just to be perfect essentially. And that's where that gap comes from. So, so what that showed was like the disparity between these two things. And the concept of myself is obviously the, the idea of the perfect version. If I had always done the right thing every single time, so why do you so infrequently want to be the person that you really are? I guess this question, well, both this whole quote really, it makes me think of like adolescence and being a teenager. I feel like that's mm. when I really was experimenting most with identity and definitely there was a lack of self-acceptance, which I think is what is being referred to in this, in this mm. second quote. And I didn't want to be the person... I really was, or I don't want to be the person I really am because I'm so used to the qualities, even the positive qualities that I have, that I just generally take them for granted. They, yeah. I, I don't notice them, you know, such as being able to reflect more deeply, being able to be in my own company, mm. things that other, some other people really would, would really like, you know, but that mm. the, in my life, I'm, I'm just used to that. And that's, that's normal. And so why do I so infrequently want to be the person I really am? Because the person I really am is, it's not enough. It's, it's, it's such a, it doesn't encapsulate the excitement or the, the novelty of what I want to be. Obviously these mm -hmm. are kind of the flip side of the same coin. So it's, it's like, I don't want to be the person I really am because the person I really am is inadequate. It just doesn't, it doesn't fulfill i mean the both of them are tied up aren't they you know mm. it's it's not enough because it's not who i want to be mm -hmm. i i think just just to give this a bit of context so it's not i feel like i'm sort of wrapping myself in it's, it's a hard quote isn't it it's mm. definitely mm. a bit of a kind of twisty one isn't it yeah. i think it, it, like just as a direct example characters that i have often looked at it often fictional but that i've often looked at and wanted to be like well, one of them is Hagrid from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's such a bizarre, it's such mm. a bizarre character, like totally unexpected. I assume yeah. but what a character like Hagrid holds or is like is someone that is able to be very joyous, fairly like straightforward, you know, mm -hmm. just they seem to just enjoy life and they drink their ale and they laugh loudly and 
they're fairly content with pretty straightforward things that they're into. Mm-hmm. They're not making lifetime goals or necessarily aspiring to all of these different things mm-hmm. and making life quite complicated. It's just very much about good friendships and warmth and openness, being generous with people mm-hmm. and just living in quite a straightforward way. Mm. So I, whenever I see characters like that or meet people like that, I really envy them. Actually, I, it's something, something within me is like, God, I really wish I could live in that way or be that way. And I think that's simply because it's so different to the person I really am. I cannot help, you know, to my own detriment, but think more in depth and get into the complexities of things and really try to figure things out and try and compare and put things in context. And I sometimes struggle socially and I sometimes struggle to be open-hearted or be generous. And so people that really encapsulate that, I just feel like, oh God, I wish I could Mm. be like you. I wish I Mm. could live in such a present and just friendly and open way Mm. because that's just not, that's not who I feel like I am. Mm. So I I think that kind of captures both of them in a sense. I think this is a quite a natural thing, how you, you always see the other side. It's like the grass is always greener as you have all these traits that you were saying yourself that a lot of other people would want to have, but then you see the, the traits that are the, your opposites almost, and Mm. you idolize them and you want to incorporate more of those. And it's a really important thing. Like you said, when discovering yourself to explore those different things to find actually, maybe I would be happier if I was a bit more open. And obviously that's, you know, something that you've have brought more into your life, more comfortable in social situations. Like there's, there's things that you have, you have moved on slightly throughout your life because you've seen the value of them and seen that you can actually integrate them well with your personality, but there's. There's just this, this really common human problem of wanting to get all of the benefits without the negatives. Like you just want all of the positive traits when a lot of these traits, you know, exist on a sliding scale, for example, extroversion and introversion, people are somewhere along that scale and you can in one moment be further on one end or further on the other end or whatever, but you can't be both of them at the same time. Mm. Like, and, and all the time when you make a decision, you have this tree of possible things that you can do in any given moment. Say you're in a situation with your boss, right? And there's something that you want to say to them. You know, maybe you're pissed off with them. Part of you wants to shout at them or say something like that. And part of you thinks that actually that's going to end up jeopardizing my position and I might lose my job or maybe, you know, this manager is now going to have a grudge against me. They're going to give me worse shifts or whatever it is. They're not going to give me a good reference. So as people, we have a tendency to whichever one of those two routes we take, we can end up afterwards thinking like, ah, I should have just kept my mouth shut or I should have told him what I really think. Why was I, you know, why did I wimp out? I should have just stood up for myself and said like, no, you're, you're a dick or whatever it is. And, and both of those paths have merit and both of them have disadvantages, but Mm. you can't take both of them. 
but through life, every time you reach a decision tree, which is constantly, you take a decision and then all of these others are closed off forever. You can never make a different decision. You can never have changed what you did in that moment, but you can imagine all the possible upsides of all the other things you could have done. Yeah. I and think that, it's, it's, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that. Gonna... You're just going to say, um, and that really is the epitome of wanting to have your cake and eat it too. You want to have done both those things and you want both the benefits and none of the negatives. And it's just an easy thing to fall into. Yeah. And in relation to the person you want to be and the person you are, you know, I, I just, just to bring it back to the Hagrid example, mm-hmm. now that you've, you've said that, you know, so it's, there are downsides of a character like Hagrid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are things that I value such as like, I value seeing projects through and building stuff over long periods of time, for example, mm-hmm. that requires a certain amount of forethought and care for the future. It basically just requires more planning and thought that's like a character like Hagrid might not, they might not have an interest in doing that. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's much more about what, what's going on with, I'm re-listening to Harry Potter at the moment. So <laughs> hence why this example, but like, you know, what are the animals that are around me doing right now that I care for? What are my loved ones doing right now? But ambition or, or goal setting or, or, um, creating something really big with your life mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a value of that person mm-hmm. so what that person may come to in 10 years time is you know they might look back and say what have i done you know like i, mm-hmm. I don't i don't have anything to show for my time mm-hmm. whereas me who does want to build on projects and things like that more i may look back and say why didn't i spend love more openly why didn't i spend more time with my friends instead of working on these projects Mm. you know so it's like there's there's downsides to both characters because they're so different but i'm only i'm only seeing one side of someone basically and that's the side that i that's the person i really want to be is just that those particular qualities as you said Mm. with like extroversion being loud and kind of very very social you know that can often go alongside really struggling to be in your own company and distracting yourself through communication with others and just being around other people all the time. So being more solitary and reflective, that those are qualities that I have that I appreciate. And yet I want to be extroverted and be the kind of life of the party, say. Mm. But I can't necessarily have both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this this quote is really nice, the second half, how it focuses on why aren't you happy with who you are right now? And it shines a light on that. And, and that, can, that can help you to, to understand why you've made the decisions, why you are the person you are. Like, like I was saying before, when you've got a, a decision tree of two different ways you could take, like, why did I make that choice? Because you, you, always, you always have a choice and you do always make the choice that, you most want to make even if it doesn't feel like it even if you do something and you're like ah why did i do that people who say have very destructive habits for example 
those destructive habits that they think are like ruining their life, it may be that, that there's part of them, you know, part of their unconscious that is engaging that habit to protect them. You know, that seems kind of so counterintuitive, but something like say alcoholism, it might be that this person is just terrified that they're not going to live up to certain expectations. So they, they're destroying their life, but that's in order that they don't fuck it up in, in another area. So there's all these times when you're making a choice, even if it's not what you consciously on paper think is the right thing to do or think you should have done, there's part of you, a, a combination of your unconscious and all the, all the beliefs you have and all the things you think that make you be the person that you are. And, and this quote just helps shine a light on that to understand, you know, why, why am I not the person I want to be? And a lot of that can be that you just don't understand all the stuff that's going on under the surface of why you're making the, the decisions you're making. And if you really try and delve into it, you can start to see why you're making those choices. I'm struggling with this one. <laughs> It's difficult to really get a clear kind of grasp on it somehow. Mm. So should we just bring it back to the start of the quote just for a sec, just to kind of re-ground ourselves and see where we want to go from? The two questions were, why am I so infrequently the person I really want to be? And why do I so infrequently want to be the person I really am? And the quote is saying, or I guess implying that the latter question is better. And I, I had to think about this of like, you know, cause I answered both these questions and I was trying to think like, is, is one of these questions better? Like, should I be asking one more than the other? And I thought with the first question, it kind of leads you to, to find insight into you know, why you're not the person you want to be. So you'll find more logical things of, you know, like I said, mine was because I can't be perfect. So if I kind of followed the trails of trail of whys down that, so why can't I be perfect? Oh, cause I am quite often late to things or something like that. So it, it gives you these specific tangible things that can be useful to work on of like, okay, that's a, an area that I want to improve in but it, it still keeps things within this same, this same paradigm. It, it's just about finding these problems of why you're not the person you want to be. Whereas the second one, I feel like that kind of challenges the, the whole assumption because it's saying, why do I so infrequently want to be the person I really am? So it's, it's a slight shift in focus to like, why do I not, why do I feel that this is wrong? Why do I feel that it's not right to be who I am? which is different because you're, you're challenging the, the, the whole paradigm. The first question is within that paradigm of I'm me, I'm not right as I am. And I need to be like this. Whereas the mm. second one is a little question on that of, am I wrong? Is there something wrong mm. about me that I'm not this? And they're both valuable questions, but the second one kind of gives you some perspective on the whole thing rather than being caught up in this paradigm of you not being 
acceptable as you are and needing to get somewhere else. Yeah, because the quote says, you know, what if the question is not? So it, it's saying in general, people are feeling anxious about not being mm -hmm. right, being incorrect, being wrong, sinful mm -hmm. in some way. That's like the general question. And, and I think that is, you know, in my experience of being alive, you know, that is a lot of what's going on mm. is, well, I mean, self-esteem issues in general, you know, it's compare and despair, looking at other people saying, I want to be like that. Why am I not like that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm incomplete. I'm wrong. And then the second question really is, well, it's, it's very kind and it's, mm. it's, I mean, a part of the, the second question that I'm really interested in is, is what, what is it referring to when it says the person I really am? Well, one way I thought of it was who, who were you when you were a really young child? What was your, what were your character traits when you mm -hmm. were like a toddler or a young child before you were kind of tethered by various conditioning and mm -hmm. fears and layers of people telling you, you need to be a certain way and a lack of self-acceptance before any of that was there. What were some of your traits? Those are qualities most likely that exist within you now. Mm. And I think that's what's being referred to when it says the person I really am, like what, what's at the core of me? What are qualities mm. that I have that are very kind of base within my character, mm. not things that I can sort of root out or really manipulate and change but like you know i can only really talk about myself as as a child but i was quite inquisitive i wanted to know how things worked at my nursery then i was the puzzle tester <laughs> so they whenever they got a new puzzle then mm -hmm. they would bring it to me straight away to to see if i enjoyed it and i would like spend ages like working out this puzzle and you know, that was something I really loved to do is do these puzzles. Mm. But also like I was always as a child hanging out with quite mischievous kids for whatever reason. I All my friends were like really difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first day of my, uh, or the yeah, the first day in my nursery, me and my friend Joe plugged up all the sinks in the bathroom with toilet paper and flooded the bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they weren't very pleased with that so that this kind of mischievous side is in there like very very early on but not like full like i was really bad but i tended to hang around with people <laughs> who were mm. quite difficult well i don't know what that says about my character but i don't it, know what that says about me yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah i don't know what does what does that reflect on you george <laughs> And anyway, yeah, I think it's just, um, it's quite nice looking at it from this child perspective of like, because mm. you can be softer on yourself and like, what, what is it that existed there before the crap, mm. you know? And mm. I think that's, that says a lot. What were you like? Well, it's, so it's interesting. Cause I, when I was kind of inquiring on these questions, that second one, I did actually really think about myself as a child. That was just what mm. came to mind. And I was thinking about, cause the, the thing that came up for me was like not being perfect. What made me think that I wasn't perfect, you know, cause that's where the question leads you to is, is why don't I want to be the person I am? And, and why do I feel that I am not perfect somehow? I know it's crazy that anyone would say anything like that about me, but, um, 
<laughs> and I, I was thinking about, you know, some of my traits as a child. And I think there were quite a few labels that I had that, that did make me feel, um, kind of like a, an outcast because of being, being vegan and being homeschooled were like two, you know, like one of them would have been, would have been enough to be honest, but like, it was, it was, you know, two things about me that I felt were quite strange and kind of unrelatable to a lot of other people or a lot of other children. So I, I didn't feel like I could fully join in with, um, with a lot of groups and, it's interesting now because because looking back on that of the the things that were a problem now they don't seem to be a problem like i don't mm. you know i have like a a channel where a youtube channel where i cook vegan food and i'm really glad i was homeschooled like i got loads of you know great stuff out of it like i had you know a great childhood in so many ways so it was interesting to see that a lot of those those initial things that I thought when I was younger made me undesirable or not able to fit in are now things that I'm very comfortable with and, and I'm even grateful for. Mm. So I did actually like that aspect of looking at this. It was somewhat validating to see like actually I have grown to accept the person I really am and my real traits rather than, you know, periods of being a teenager especially where I more just wanted to fit in and be cool in a very conventional sense. So yeah, it's a really nice thing to reflect on actually. And it, it might give, you know, little pointers on, on things that you still have a bit more accepting to do. You know, there might be some things mm -hmm. that you, you still feel you were embarrassed about as a kid and maybe you still are, but you can, or, but less so. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting question to explore. Mm. And it definitely took me back to, to childhood. Mm. It came up on, I've just been on a week long meditation retreat. I'd kind of paused there cause it was, it was fairly social really. So I was hanging around with people a lot and chatting to people a lot. And yeah, I mean, this question actually came up around this thing of self-acceptance. And as you just said, there may be still work to do. In fact, there definitely mm -hmm. is. Cause this is a life's work really self-acceptance mm -hmm. and recognizing when you need to change but also mm -hmm. recognizing to accept yourself there's a lot of parallels with lots of other things with that but yeah on this retreat it was coming up stuff that i definitely experienced at secondary school but was coming up again which is that there was quite a lot of young people in this retreat and well i remember one particular evening where we were all hanging out around the fire and someone basically offered someone else to give a, um, like a shoulder massage. Cause like, there's a lot of like, you're kind of working on the land as you're doing the retreat. And so that happened and that was all fine, but it sort of created a bit of a theme of that on the retreat where like at the end of the day, then it would just be like, we were sitting around the fire and then like a couple of massages were happening at the same time. <laughs> I don't want this to sound sexual. Anyway, it <laughs> definitely wasn't, but I noticed that my, I felt really shy about just being involved in that. And like, there are certain areas that I feel comfortable in and certain areas that I don't. And I realized that where I don't is when it's, it's kind of more body stuff. It's like, yeah, like something like a massage or dancing or mm -hmm. it's, it's stuff that is expressive in that way 
that you express through your body as opposed to in conversation. So the area, my comfort zone is like having a deep conversation with people. And I don't mind how many people there are there. It's fine. I feel really in my element with doing that. That's mm -hmm. all good. But as soon as I was sitting around the fire and people were, you know, it's just like, oh, does anyone want a massage? I, <laughs> I couldn't say yes. And I couldn't get involved. There was a real mm -hmm. block of that. And then when, when that happened, it really brought me back to school and just this desire to, a real desire to be involved and to be included, mm -hmm. but this sort of hesitation, this sort of like, but there's a risk there. I, I feel like mm. I'm putting myself at risk. There's a certain amount of vulnerability just in the case of dancing, for, for example, mm -hmm. it's, there's a, it, you know, you might look silly. People might laugh at you. Mm. It's not going to happen, but, but a certain part of me is, is still holding on to that. And so in those moments, I was so, wishing i could be like these other people in the retreat who just seemed so relaxed and happy to be together in that way and communicate in that way my response really was to be quite quiet which was what i did at school as well hmm. and it was just interesting when that comparison was coming up hmm. and just to just to kind of bring this in full circle I noticed certain people when the deeper conversations were happening, when we were kind of really getting stuck into those that weren't talking very much. Mm. And I wonder if maybe in those situations, people didn't feel like they were able to articulate themselves mm. or they didn't feel particularly comfortable in those sorts of situations. Mm. And that's something I feel completely comfortable in. So it's yeah. just very interesting that the, the pull between those two things and the kind of tension there really. Mm. Yeah. Well, that seems like a beautiful place to move on to next week's quote. So thank you so much for um, joining us on this episode. And yeah, just really, really appreciate you listening. We, we've been talking recently, me and George, about growing the show and how we're going to get this show to more people. And we figured out that it's, um, it's down to you. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's um well basically we're, we're we're focusing on on really this show growing organically and so if this episode or the episodes in general mean something to you then it would just be incredible if you could if you could share it with people mm. that you think would be interested if you wanted to support the show financially you could just drop into our coffee account and buy us a coffee that would be lovely and george i believe that you have next week's quote I do. And it's from Milton H. Erickson. We have actually done a quote from him before. So this is the mm. first repeat guest and mm. I'm glad it's him. So what is easiest to see is often overlooked. Mm. So if you've got any thoughts about the quote, then just shoot us a message on Instagram. It's know what I mean dot podcast. And we've got a link down in the description to our email address. Thank you for watching. Have an awesome week and we'll see you next time. Peace.